take a look at God's Word. We're glad for each and every one of you that are here. We want to worship the Lord. You'll after Him this morning. You're welcome here, each and every one of you. I want you to know that. Amen. We want you to make this your home. Okay? And the Bible even talked about God making a place for the lone sparrow. One that feels very alone. God makes a place for them. All right. First Peter. Now, if you're new with the Bible, as I certainly was, I wasn't always a preacher. You could go to the last book, which is Revelation, and just work your way back a little bit, and you will come to Second Peter and then First Peter. We're going to be in First Peter this morning for a few moments. Chapter three. Very glad that you're here. We want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, because that's what the Bible teaches. All right. 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll begin reading in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I'd like to work on a little while my reason for hope. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. My reason for hope. Hope is a very uh, positive emotion. If you have hope, then sometimes people will go on living because they have hope. Some people will go on trying because they have hope that something's going to get better. It's a positive emotion or belief, a feeling of that things are going to work out. There's an answer coming. Uh, so we hope. The Bible even said that if you see something, then you no longer hope for it because you have it. But until that experience comes, until that moment comes, then you're hoping. If you're looking for a, a vehicle, bringing somebody to you, and you're waiting, you're hoping they're coming, and you're looking, and you're rocking back and forth a little bit, and you're looking, and you're, but you're hoping, hoping that they're coming. And of course, when they come, then we don't need to hope anymore, because they're here. Well, we have a reason to hope. Now, one place in the scripture talked about people being not having hope because of their insecurity. Um, another place you will find that there, are, there was an individual that was so distraught and put out with his difficult situation, even to the point that there was physical uh, infirmity or pain or sickness, and um, consequently the individual despaired of hope. And that's kind of the opposite of hope is despair. And that's a, a very negative emotion to become despairing uh, and that you just feel like there's no hope. And, and a person gets, depression goes along with that. Sadness goes along with that. So those are, those are some of the negative things. But, you know, hope is a very positive thing. Hope is a, a real positive shot in the arm, so to speak. It gives you a boost. And it will lift you up and will encourage you to believe that something better is coming. An answer is coming. Uh, in the book of Ezra, there were some difficult times expressed and explained, and the scripture said that even after all of that, said there, yet there is hope among them concerning this. In spite of all of the things that can stack up and hit your mind and make you feel like there's no hope, yet there is hope, I'm trying to tell you. Uh, Abraham, Father Abraham, the Bible said that even when hope, testified. Hope's voice chimed in with all the other voices that were telling him to forget it. Give it up. Back up. Go back. Don't go for, forward. There's no hope for this. Even hope joined in and said, yeah, there's no hope. You know, But who against hope, the Bible said, believed in hope. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good that old Abraham was having to encourage hope and to believe in himself. And so sometimes your own emotion needs a little boosting up, you know, uh, that very thing itself. 
And so yet, I want you to know that no matter how despair, despairing you may be, and desperate you may be, one place in the scripture used the terminology desperate speech, uh, no matter how desperate you may be, I want you to know that there is yet hope in the church for you and your situation. When everything else testifies against you, when everything else is telling you it's not going to work out, it can't be, and forget about it, quit looking for it, quit believing for it. I want you, when even hope voice joins in, and I want you to know that the Bible is telling you that we have a reason of hope here. We have a reason. There's a very strong reason, and that reason is Jesus Christ. That reason is that He died on that cross. He did that for each and every one of us. No matter your age, no matter your background, no matter your nationality, no matter your uh, dialect or your language, uh, where you come from, your country, your island, your neighborhood, makes no difference. There is hope in the church for you. There is hope in Jesus Christ for you. He died on that cross for everybody. He gave up his spirit out of that body, and that body was left empty and dead uh, like a sack of bones, and it was taken, and it, was, it had been beaten to a pulp, and had been taken and prepared and placed in the sepulcher or the grave. And yet, three days later, as he had foretold, he said, I have power to lay my life down. He said, I have power to raise it up again, because all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, speaking in the flesh, encouraging people to believe, to have hope in his words and what he was saying. Because remember, when he was beaten and when he was crucified, the Bible teaches some of his own disciples were walking along the road and they were discussing the events that had taken place. And they, their countenance was sad. They, they were down, they weren't smiling. They were doing the opposite. They were frowning. And, and they, were, they were sad and they looked sad. And they were unhappy and they looked unhappy. Everything that was coming off of them was projecting a message of doom and gloom. And Jesus appeared in their midst. He came after his resurrection now. They're, they're walking around this way. And he appears to them. And they don't, they're so sad that they don't even realize. They're so lacking in hope that they don't even realize it's him right there talking to them. And he begins to ask them, what's the problem? Why are your, why are your words or your communications so Sad. What, what is it that's got you so down and so out? Everybody said amen. amen. And so they begin to ask him. They said, well, are you a stranger? Uh, don't you know what's taken place? That Jesus has been crucified and he is dead? And, and don't you understand what's happening here? You need, to, you need to realize that there's a great terrible injustice that has taken place here. And they were so sad and so down and so out. But Jesus began to give them a little Bible study. He began to talk to them about the Word of God. He began to inject hope. Because in Him, who is hope, <laughs> in Him, who is hope, He began to lift them up. He began to give them an answer. They were asking. They were pleading. Their countenance was screaming that we need help here. We've lost our way. We've lost our champion. He has been crucified and and we don't know what to do. We have nothing now to believe in. We have all hope is lost, as one place in the Scripture said, that, that even that we should be saved. When really, they weren't looking at the situation correctly, were they? It was just the opposite. Actually, the hope was standing before them. The eternal hope, hope beyond this life, hope beyond this little 80 years that you by reason of strength might get to live to. Hope is screaming, hope is hollering, and, and hope has been encouraged here because Jesus has risen from the dead. And that old devil it was a liar and the father of it. He threw a big party. He thought it was over because he'd gotten him crucified on the cross. But then three days later, friend, there came a shaking through the lamb, and Jesus rose again from the dead. He said, you can destroy this fleshly body, but I will raise it up on the third day. And so he did. And now he's standing before this little group of believing, formerly believing people. Hitherto for hoping people. And now 
They're in a desperate situation, and he's giving them hope. He's giving them reason to hope. And so they come to a place where the house is, and they're going to go in, and they went in differently when they, when, than they would have before Jesus got there. They went in now with a smile. They went in with a beam. They went in with hope, and, and they realized that, that it had been Jesus with them. He is now gone. He made as if he was going to go on, and they tried to keep him, but suddenly he's just not there. And, and they're, they're in this place, and they realize that that was Jesus. And we had our eyes covered in, uh, with the gloom and the doom, and we weren't thinking right. We weren't seeing it right. And how easy it is for us to not see it right and to not think it right. And our mind to get very cloudy. I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the radio to preach, and, and uh, when I left the house early that morning, the sun was just coming up. The sky was blue. The sun was bright yellow, and it was beautiful. And I came to the house of God, and I began to prepare, and, and uh, a couple hours later, I leave to go to the radio station, and I want you to know a big old cloud rolled in, and it started raining, and the wind was whipping, and I said, what happened to that beautiful, bright, sunny day and that, that sun that was out? All of a sudden, it was gone, and how quickly that can happen to your life. How quickly a phone call or a letter or a knock on the door can change everything for you. But I want you to know we're not going to observe the weather and we're not going to pay too much attention to the people that bring bad news because we have hope. Whatever it would be, there's yet hope in the church in Jesus Christ. We can give an answer. We're ready to give an answer. We're ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us because we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in our lives. Amen. So he told you to be ready. He said, you be ready. You be ready now. He said, and he said to be ready always. Always. Not once in a while, not when you feel like it. But he said, you be ready always to give an answer to him that asks. There's people, they may not ask you verbally, but their eyes are asking. Their countenance is asking. They're, they're, you can see that there's sadness and there's depression and there's disappointment in people's lives. You can see that there's people that have, have gotten bad news. Maybe they were told that they have cancer. Uh, there are people that have been informed of great sickness in their, in their body. And uh, there are people that will get calls uh, and, and be given bad news that somebody else is sick or somebody has died or somebody got in trouble or, or somebody got in an accident. Uh, there, there's so many ways that bad news can come that can affect you. But I'm trying to tell you that uh, when, when, when you are asked, uh, the Bible is telling you to be ready always, even when you're in a difficult situation. In one place it said be instant in season. That's not so difficult. But it also said to be instant out of season. So when, when you're feeling out of joint, out of season, and, and things aren't rolling so good for you right at that moment, you still want to be ready to give people the answer that, uh, for the hope that's within you. How are you bearing up under your bad terms and bad situation and disappointment Then you're able to give them? How is it that you can take it so calmly? It's because you can then tell them because I have reason to hope. I have reason to hope no matter what the situation, no matter what, comes against me. I have this experience. Now what is this experience? Let's go back here and let's look because Jesus said that he wanted his church, his body of believers, people that would make up a congregation. Where did this congregation come from? Well, the Bible teaches there are people that are coming out of darkness and they're coming into marvelous light. That's who these people are. They weren't always in marvelous light. They're people that were out there, were alcoholics or cocaine addicts or thieves or murderers or uh, just unbelievers of one sort or another filled with bad temper and filled with bad attitude. And these people have come out of darkness. How did they do that? Well, the Bible teaches that people that sat in darkness, great light had sprung up, and that light was Jesus the Christ. What did he do? He came and walked among men and women, boys and girls, and he brought them this hope. And there they're sitting in darkness and they're miserable and they're unhappy. They've been disappointed time after time after time, generational, handed down from grandmother to, to granddaughter that far over generations, and it just kept going on. And people were miserable and unhappy and they just sat in darkness. But now this great light, not just light, but great light, not just great light, but marvelous light, 
has come and, it, and it's springing hope into people's lives and, and that's what happens to us even these many thousands of years down the road it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus walked the face of the earth and gave birth to his church but here we are now and the church is still going on the hope is still testifying people that have this reason of hope are still ready to give an answer to other people to help them to come out of a horrible pit to come out of deep darkness and to come into the marvelous, the marvelous light. How'd they do that? Well, they did it just like Jesus told them. He gave his disciples, and they were people that were listening to what he had to say. Even his own mother, the mother of that flesh, that flesh that died on the cross. And uh, she also was among them. Where was her hope when she stood at the foot of his cross, looking up at a bloodied and beaten body, and a, and a crown of thorns on his head. And, and uh, there he is nailed. And uh, he's gasping and drawing his last breaths on this earth. And, and uh, this flesh is about to, to expire because, because the spirit is going to withdraw from that flesh. And she's looking at him. And he begins, she's no doubt wondering, what am I going to do now? But the Bible teaches that Jesus looked at one of his disciples from the cross and said to John, said, Behold thy mother. And looked at the mother and said, Behold thy son. Everything's going to be all right. Everything. Reason for hope. I can have hope because no matter how bleak the whole situation is, I have a reason to hope because of Jesus. I have a, because he, he, he cares about me. You know, the Bible said for you to cast all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. He cares continually, progressively, for you. He doesn't care hit and miss. He doesn't care once in a while. He cares all the time. Okay, isn't that nice? He's a 24-7, 365 and a quarter God. He's there all the time. He that keepeth thee, the Bible said, he will not slumber and he will not sleep. And he's going to be right there on the job. When you cry unto him, he's going to be there. When you call unto him, he's going to answer you. He's looking at your situation. And he looked at his disciples and he, he knew that there was going to be sadness. He knew there were going to be some that would be despondent and depressed. And they would feel as if they had no hope. They would feel as if hope was yelling at them and screaming at them not to believe that this is hopeless. But that was not the case. And Jesus Christ made sure of things, even as he did for his own mother of the flesh. And he said, I'm giving you somebody to take care of. And he's going to do it. Don't you worry about that. Everything will be taken care of. Even as when I know the Bible teaches that. Peter was confronted about people and, and, and uh, by people and they were saying that he didn't pay his taxes and, uh, and he was walking around with the mully grubs trying to puzzle that out in his mind and Jesus said basically, hey, what's the problem? He said, we'll take care of that situation. I know what's bothering you and troubling you. He said, you just go fishing. Now that seemed like an odd thing to do, but he sent him fishing. And when he did, he brought up a fish, as Jesus told him by instruction, said that first fish that you bring up will have a piece of money in its mouth. And you take that piece of money and you go and you pay taxes for me and for thee. And uh, even after he taught them that they shouldn't have been taxed, but he said, we don't want to offend anybody, so you go do it right for us. Oh, I'm telling you, God is, is concerned about every last living detail in your life, and he wants you to have hope. There's not anything that you can bring to him but what he can answer it. Because remember him that we have to do with, Jesus Christ, nothing shall be impossible. There is a God that loves you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's looking right at you, and he's going to help you. And he had many disciples that were looking. As a matter of fact, there was above 500 of them looking to him. It's after he has died on the cross. It's after he has arisen on the third day. And now he is showing himself alive with many infallible proofs. And as he shows himself alive, he's looking at these eyes that are empty and hollow. He's looking at men and women that don't know what to do and where to go and they feel like it's all over and he's trying to tell them it's just beginning. It's all just beginning. Everything is great. There's hope concerning all of this in the church. Look to the church. Look to the word. Look to the teaching that I'm giving to you. And so he gave them these last minute instructions because he was about to ascend up on high now. He's risen from the dead. He's being showed alive, but he's going to go up now. And so once again, they're a little bit wondering what's going on here. But he had foretold them 
All of these things he foretold them. You know, if we learn to listen and read the word of God, there's a lot of things that we can get insights to that we won't have to find ourselves wondering all the time about what's going to happen. He's going to talk to your heart. He's going to teach you. He's going to instruct you. And he's going to guide you with his eye. That is Psalms uh, 32 and 8. So you believe the Word of God. You get your mind on the Word of God. You look to the Word of God and you believe it when you hear it. It's so important to believe what you're hearing. Okay? Everybody said amen. amen. All right. And so Jesus now, he is, He's with above 500 of them. And He begins to give them last minute instructions. And this is where you begin to separate the believer's from the unbelievers, or shall I say the believers from the people who say they believe, all right? Lots of people say they believe, but uh, then there are those that really do believe, and God judges the mind, the heart. He judges that. The heart is not this physical pump. In your Bible, the heart is right here. It's the seat of your thoughts and your intellect, and it's also the seat of your emotions, and he looks deep into your heart. And he, he wants you to really take him at his word. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe in him. He wants you to rely upon him. And so Jesus is giving them, above 500 of them, these last-minute instructions, okay? And as he does so, then he, he's telling them, I want you to go to a certain place. And when you get there, I want you to bring repentance and remission of sins in my name and give it to everybody, all nations, everybody. Don't you hold back from anyone. Don't you feel like somebody is beneath you. Don't you feel like somebody's not good enough. He said, you bring this to everybody, all nations. And I'm giving you a beginning place. And he gave them the city of Jerusalem to begin from. And so he also told them when they get there, and it was just two miles down the road about, and he told them, he said, you wait while you're there. For, you go to the church house, the upper room, and you wait for the promise of the Father. You wait for the promise of the of the Spirit. And so about, now we got above 500, but only about 120 did what he said. Only about 120 showed themselves to be believers. Everybody said amen. All right, people can say they believe and then turn right around and prove that they don't believe. And that's what happened with about 380 of the 500. They didn't go do what Jesus, Jesus said, go do a thing. I believe you, Lord, I believe you, Lord, while they go the opposite way. Now see, that's, that's not believing. That's unbelieving. And they went in another direction. They did not do what he said to do. But you know what? We don't read about those people anymore in the Bible. We don't, they're, they're not highlighted. They're not uh, illuminated in the book to us. We read about the 120 about that went and did just what he said. They had hope in what he was saying. They had faith and trust and belief in what he was saying. And they went down the road two miles about to that upper room of the temple, of the church house. And there they gathered together and they began to worship him. They began to praise him. And the more that they did, the more that hope pulsated in their lives. To the point that on the seventh day, okay, seven days that they worshiped and they praised and they magnified him. And they waited upon him. They waited in hope that he was going to answer their salvation need. That they were going to get what he had promised them over and over. That the Holy Ghost would be given. The Holy Ghost would be poured out. The Spirit of God would be poured out for whosoever will. And it's because his Spirit so loved the world that he was saying everybody can come. Whosoever will. And I'll, I've got it fixed that if you'll believe that you will not perish. Everything will be fine. You can have hope. You don't have to sit there and, and, and say, I perish because I have no hope. I'm just going to wilt away and die. I have no hope. But he's telling you that's not so. He's telling you I'm going to give you within you a reason of hope. And you're going to be able to answer people, anybody that asks you anywhere, you're going to be able to give them a reason for the hope. You'll be able to say, once I was lost, once I was just like you, once I was down in the mouth and out, my lower lip looked like a vacuum cleaner going along the rug. I was miserable and unhappy, but now, now I have been found. The Lord has brought me into his church. In not the building, that's a church house, but into the body of believers. He brought me in. 
He brought me out of darkness and he brought me into the marvelous light. He has given me hope in all situations that I am no longer hopeless. I am no longer having to live a miserable, a despairing life, that I have a hope that's within me. It's with me every day, every day. He's not just here and gone. He's not a fair-weather God. He's there all the time, and He's given me such a great and glorious experience. The Bible teaches that as they worshipped Him in that upper room of the church house, on that seventh day there came a sound from heaven, and brother, that's where we want to get the sound from. I want to get it from heaven. We want the things that come from paradise, friend. We're not a fake utopia, not trying to figure out something. You see, that's the old devil. Let me go back and digress for a minute, but that's just what the devil does. He tries to get people to believe that it's all going to be here, that the utopia is going to be here, the paradise is going to be here, and he's got all kinds of religions that are doing the same thing, and they've, they've given all kinds of false hope because they built their teachings around man-made ideas. And they've tried to get people to believe in, in uh, man-made thinking and, and do this and do that and chase this and chase the other and try this invention or try this drug uh, and, and uh, listen to this song, do this dance, and you're going to feel so much better. But you know what? You find out that your bucket's not got just one hole in it. It's got a whole bunch of holes in it. And that, that little moment, uh, that sin brings that little moment of pleasure. It just all flows out and it's gone and you're back to square one again. You're back to behind the eight ball again. You're back to misery and dissatisfaction and, and a feeling of hopelessness and depression comes upon. Why do you think so many people commit suicide? Because they're depressed. Because they're despondent. Because they've given up on hope. They don't have something within them. And this world can't put nothing good in you but, I'm, but confusion. That's all they bring. But I'm telling you that God arranged. He's telling you don't reach for worldly things. Don't reach for man-made things. Don't try to do it yourself or through man-made religions. You need the salvation that belongeth unto God. You believe what comes from heaven. That's what you need to believe. And that's what Jesus gave them. There came a sound from heaven, not a sound from the earth, not a sound from some guy that comes up with some fake, phony promise. I'll do this for you and I'll do that for you. And the big fake and phony and leaves people along a road of people lying on the side of the road, uh, beaten and, and stripped and naked and robbed. And, and I'm telling you, they need the church to come and ask the church. And the church will give you an answer of hope that's within us. It's not something something we just heard about. It's something we've experienced. You need an experience that comes from heaven. Comes from heaven. And all of heaven backs it up. Oh yes. All of heaven backs it up. And so as they, these believing disciples, people just like you and I, they go to that upper room and they worship for seven days. That happened to be their case. And there was a reason for that. And on that seventh day there came that sound from heaven. And the Bible said it was like, a, it was described as being a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, gathered together to worship him. And the Bible teaches that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus had foretold them. Jesus had given them hope that you're going to, you, I'm going away and you're sad, he said, but I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I'm not going to leave you in a hopeless state. There's yet hope. But you're going, but there's yet hope because I'm going to come unto you. I'm going to send back my spirit, my Holy Spirit, and he's going to give to you this gift. And when he fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you're going to have the gift of eternal life, among other gifts. How blessed you're going to be. How full of joy to the point that you're not going to be able to speak it in a, in a, in a regular way. It's, I'm going to speak for you. I'm going to send my spirit into your heart, crying, speaking. Oh, friend, he lets you speak in another language as his spirit gives you the ability to do that. Now, we have little babies here this morning, and those little babies are going to listen to their mom and their dad or their grandmother, grandparents, somebody. They're going to listen to them speak. And after a while, those children are going to speak. If they're raised in a, in a home that has more than one language, they'll probably learn to speak more than one language. And they'll probably learn it a word or a phrase at a time. And, and you don't think that's strange. It just seems very natural that that child will come to speak. 
Okay, well, whatever language it's hearing or languages that it's hearing. Well, I'm saying to you, if that God ordained that, God made that kind of brain, God gave us that kind of system to be able to learn that, then you think about the great creator, that him sending his spirit into your heart, into your brain, if you please. And that he's going to then give you the ability now to speak a language you don't know, a language you haven't heard. Why should that seem so strange to you? The same God that takes a little baby that has not heard anything yet and has not spoken anything yet, but has given, been given a, a, a brain here uh, that has been programmed to be able to catch these words, ears and sound equipment to catch these words and to begin to speak them. And so if that can happen in the natural, how much more can God send His Spirit into your believing heart and begin to give you an ability to speak in a language that you don't know, that you haven't heard because He's doing the talking, because you're yielding yourself to Him. And that, my friend, is going to be called in the Bible the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what took place when that sound came from heaven. It was like a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole place. And the Bible said they, about 120 that is, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all began to speak as the Spirit gave them the ability and the utterance to do so. Amen. And amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's going to give you something. Everywhere you go, people are going to recognize. I had somebody say to me uh, at Subway the other day, I was there working on a miracle. <laughs> and uh, I'm still working on that miracle. But, uh, and I know a lot of us are because uh, a lot of us seem to stop at Subway. And uh, so I said to uh, an individual while I was in there, I was talking about church, and I was trying to, uh, you know, invite them out. And there was a, a big gentleman that came in. And um, he knew me, and I knew him from a little time past. We actually had baptized him here. And, uh, you know, he was such a big guy, but he couldn't live for God because of his little wife. Hmm. Hmm. And then, you know, there's probably not a guy in town that this guy wouldn't, would fear to fight. But that little wife, he could come to church because of his little wife. That's kind of amazing to me. But uh, anyway, at least we got him baptized the correct way, the Bible way. And uh, so he started talking to me, you know, hey, Rev this and hey, Rev that. And so we're talking away, and uh, I, uh, I said something to him about uh, church and, of course, coming out and gave him a fresh card to come out. He knows right where we're at. And uh, in talking about this beautiful truth and giving an answer for the reason to hope, I have this in me. God's given this to me. You can have it too. And uh, I, I wanted him to know, and they, they has a nickname. Like, maybe I shouldn't call him. You might all know him. Never mind. He had a nickname. And they were calling him by his name and saying, the other people were saying hello to him. And um, I, was, I was trying to convince him to come out to the house of God and, and live for God and get an experience that would change his life dynamically. He never did stay around long enough to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm trying to tell you, you got to get this hope in you. You want to you wanna get this eternal hope, the scripture said. But he told me, he said, what about that woman? And he named her. And I said, yes. And he said, man, said she's different. And I said, yeah. I said, she got the Holy Ghost. He said, she was rough. And I said, yes. So she's told me. I said, she told me she was rough. And told me the gang that she ran with and all that. I said, but now she's running with the church. Things have changed now. He says, I see that. I know that. You know, this makes a difference. And this, this difference, this where you didn't have hope, now you have hope and that can be seen. And furthermore, you can throw and lend your voice to it. You can give an answer, a verbal answer. Our answers aren't just verbal, by the way. First uh, Peter chapter 3 tells you that there are some people that when they cannot be one with the word, they, they're not approachable. You can't, you can't get to them to speak to them. Maybe they've heard so many things so many times, they... They just don't want to hear you. No, speak to the hand. The ear ain't listening. They're not going to let you approach. But the Bible teaches that they can be one without the word. That you become this light then. You become the word by how you live. By how you're living now. As opposed to how you used to be. Because now we've got this before and after. Now we've got this center person. And now we've got this ex-center person. 
We've got this saint now. We've got somebody that God has separated and God has cleaned them up. God has changed their way of thinking and, and, put, and taken away sadness and given happiness and, and given them such an experience that they don't, they don't want to snort it anymore. They don't want to shoot it anymore. They don't want to, they don't want to get drunk all the time anymore. They don't want to be spending a dollar uh, uh, every hour on a beer. You know, they don't want to be doing that anymore. They don't, and you say, well, you're just twisting your arm. Nobody twisting anybody's arm. You have to understand, you get this Holy Ghost experience in your life. You don't want to do it anymore. You lose the desire. You hear me? You lose the desire. Your desires get changed. And what you had formerly man-made things that you had run after and chased after and been convinced of to do this and try this and try that and try the other and you went away without hope. You went away despairing and lonely. Now that desire is wiped out because now you have the gift, the free gift of the Holy Ghost. You have been given a supernatural experience that the Bible said it began with you speaking in another language as His Spirit gave the utterance. His Spirit flooded your brain, flooded your emotions, and gave to you, the Bible said, that which is joy unspeakable. It, words are just not sufficient. It's just difficult to explain how good you feel, how clean you've been made, how innocent you feel, how emptiness has been filled up with God's Spirit in your heart. Oh, friend, it's, it's why we have to work at giving the answer of hope. Because words fail us. That words just aren't adequate enough. And, uh, but, to, but people see sometimes where words fall short. Or we're not, like Moses said, uh, he was slow of tongue. <laughs> I just can't get the words out quick enough, you know, and whatever he meant by that. Some people think that he stuttered. Whatever it was, that he just felt that he was slow of speech. But uh, there's a life that can be lived. And that very often, the places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. Not because somebody's twisting you on, because you don't want to go there anymore. Because you know what? When you went there, you went there as somebody looking for hope and didn't have any hope. But now you've got hope. So you don't need to go in there looking for it because you realize that those places were empty and vain and worthless and useless and they never could deliver on their promises. Uh, they were good at taking your money or using you and abusing you, you know. And, uh, and you lived life maybe with great disrespect. But uh, now, now things are changing. What the Bible say about little old Ruth? Came from a strange land, strange gods, strange practices, and... Uh, but she, she listened to a person in her life that brought her the truth about this great God. And she said, where, where you go, that's where I'm going. If you're going to church, I'm going to church. If you're going to read the Bible, I'm going to read the Bible. If, if you're going to worship, I'm going to worship. Uh, I, I want to I stay close. I see something in you. And uh, not only sometimes, as I said, when the words fall short, there is a life that people can see. And they can be won, the scripture said, by that life that you live. And that's what First Peter was teaching. Sometimes people that are close to you, maybe a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or uh, an aunt or an uncle or a best friend, maybe they just, they don't want to hear it, you know. But believe me when I tell you, they're going to be looking. They're going to be looking. And they're going to see that I had a guy tell me one time, he said, well, last week you would have done that. I said, well, last week I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. There's been a change. There's been a difference made. You know, now I've got the Holy Ghost. You know, there's been a difference made. I don't want that life anymore. I, I've repented of that life. And I got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and all my sins were forgiven. And I felt that tremendous guilty conscience and load of sin leave. And then he gave me the gift of the Holy Ghost. Friend, I'm, I'm filled with hope here. Let me tell you the reason for my hope. Let me tell that to you. Now, notice how it's to be communicated. You ever read in the Bible where it said, the communication of thy faith, or the communication of the hope that lieth within you, in other words? Okay, it is in there. It's in the book of Philemon. And it, it told you to do it in a, an effectual way in a way that's going to have a great effect, a, a positive effect. But notice it said, be ready always 
to give an answer to every man, not just some people, not just, you know, your little favorites, but to every man. You know, the Jewish had to go out of Jerusalem and go down to a city where they never went before to talk to people that they would have no dealings with at all. But the Spirit of the Lord said, we're going down there, and we're going we're gonna to reach those people. We're going to talk to those people. You're going to find out you're no better than they are. The only thing that's going to make you better is that I've given you a hope. I've given you an experience that you've got reason of a hope, and they need what you've got. And so you're going to go bring that to them. And they did, and they went willingly. When, the, when they began to see that God was in it, and they began to realize that that was God's will, well, then that wasn't a problem at all, because they were, they, now they've got this experience, and they want to please God. So it said to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. But notice how he said to do it. He said, with meekness and fear. Everybody said meekness. Everybody said fear. Now what that means there is with courtesy and respectfully. That's what that means. That's what that means. That you're going you're to learn how to give your answer of hope in a manner that is both courteous and respectful. I want you to think about that. You need to let that soak in. You need to let that soak in. People are hurting. People are miserable. People are lonely. People are upset. People are confused. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus Christ said, don't, he's teaching you in his teachings, don't chase after all of these things that come from man because they're nothing but confusion. He's telling you, I have told my church to preach the gospel, to preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And we stick with that. You hear me? Right here in this church house, we stick with that. We are a continuation of the church that Jesus gave birth to. On the first day, I told a young lady the other day in a department store, I got to witness to her, and, and she started, oh, of course, she won't tell me how biblical she was, and she studies the Bible, and she's going on. And, you know, she could quote a few things, and some of them were accurate, and some of them weren't too accurate. But, you know, she, she was trying, and that's all good. And, um, and claiming to believe this book, and having study groups, and this and that and the other. And so when I asked her, I said, okay, I'm lost. I'm standing right here in front of you. I am lost. What do I have to do? And she said, uh, uh, well, uh, and I'm waiting. I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm rocking. Uh-huh. She's stuttering. Talk about slow speech. And she wasn't slow speech before that. But uh, so I said, you know, I said, I gave you a scripture. And it's very plain. I told you it was the first day of the church, the church that Jesus started, the church that he built, the church that he began. Everybody said amen? amen. And that church, he made it clear in giving to them to Peter, the words to preach the first sermon to that group of people, all of the other people that had gathered around together, all right? And they were all ears. They were all listening. What did one president say? Lend me your ears. Well, the ears were out, like little radar things. <laughs> and uh, and they, were, they were listening. And that's when Peter spoke the words. In answer, he, well, he preached a sermon. And at the end of his sermon, they cried out, all of these people with the radar, they cried out and they said, what must we do? What shall we do? What do we need to do? And then Peter, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and I told this young lady this, he said, repent, number one, repent. Number two, be baptized. Now it was so funny, when I said repent, she went, oh yeah, repent, yeah, yeah, repent. And I said, number two, he went on to say, and be baptized. And she was baptized, yeah, baptized. And I said, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And nothing came out then. Why would we balk at being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? What about everything else? It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. But when it came to baptism, it was why would that be? 
Would that be because the devil knows that's exactly what needs to happen and be done, and he don't want it to happen? And that's the name that he's fighting because the blood is in the name. When the church came out of the upper room filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they begin to go through the city, just like this city. They begin to go through the city, and they begin to preach the name of Jesus Christ. That's when the authorities got them and told them to stop preaching in that name. Now, I'm telling you right, the truth when I tell you this. I hope I wouldn't tell you anything but the truth. But I, the city, when we went down to the loading ramp, the city told us, you cannot baptize. On city property. So we went across the street to Chubbs and we put a tank there and we baptized there. That's what we did. Amen. Amen. Why? Now, let's be honest. How many drug deals go down per day on the loading ramp? Uh-huh. And how many things go on? Lots of places in this town. But everybody pretty much says that's the place for those things. Whether true or not doesn't matter to me. The point is, the devil doesn't want anybody to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He fights that tooth and toenail. You hear me? He's against that. Get baptized, say Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Oh, you can do that all day long. He don't care. They, have, they got one religion that they'll baptize you three times. The name of the Father. Whoop. Name of the Son. Whoop. The third time you come and say, I do believe you're trying to drown me, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, but you know, that's man's teaching. That's man's ideas. When the Bible was very plain, it said to baptize in the name. I am a father, and I have a name. I am a son, and I have a name. I am a senior pastor, and I have a name. And the bank knows my name. Because what little bit of money I got in that checking account, you know, I have to sign my name to get that, you know, it's like the other day, 57 cents. 57 cents. That's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> well, at least it didn't say negative 57 cents, because that's worse. Because <laughs> that's going to be $35.57, isn't it? Yeah, negative. Oh, brother, come on now. I'm telling you about a God that absolutely sent a church to preach the word of the Lord and, and give people repentance water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that has never changed, never deviated for the church. It's never been watered down. It's never been changed in any way, shape, or form. And we have always, from then till now, given that to people courteously and respectfully. We want you to believe the truth so that you will have not just hope, but eternal hope. That you'll have something lasting in your life, and then you can go and give people an answer. Why are you so changed? Why is your face so shining? Why are you so happy? Oh, that's we love to hear that question because we're ready. We're ready to give you the answer for that reason of hope in our lives. Where we were sad, now we're no longer sad. Where we were down, now we're no longer down. Where we were drug addicted, we're no longer drug addicted. Where we were chasing after every event, and running to everything, we're no longer doing that anymore because we have this great hope, this eternal hope in our lives. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's stand together. I tell you, there is hope. There is hope this morning. And the hope has been given to God and placed in believing people. Believing people. I want you to believe Him this morning. I want you to put your faith in what he said. He said, repent. If you say, I believe that, then do it. What does that mean? That means, God, I'm not only sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm changing. I'm going to change. I'm going to quit following Satan. Start following you. I'm going to quit going all them places I've been going, doing all them things I've been doing, and I'm going to start going where I need to go, to the house of God, and I'm going to start living for you. And everybody said, amen. amen. I'm going to repent. I'm going to have a change of pattern of thinking. not going to think the way I've been thinking in the past. I'm going to repent, Lord. I'm going to cut off sin in my life. Not going to do those things anymore. Not going to talk that way anymore. Not going to act that way anymore. Not going to live that way anymore. By your grace, for it is by grace, through faith. Of course it is. It's not of yourself. It's that grace of God. 
that gives you the ability and gives you the opportunity to repent. And after repentance before God, then you come and we will baptize you in water. You can do it this morning. We just had uh, three to get baptized just the last couple of, well, last week, I guess, this last week, and uh, two last Sunday morning and one Friday night before that. And I want to tell you, there's a great God that's working throughout this city and this area and this state and this nation and this world. And he's reaching people from everywhere, of every background, every language, every skin color. Makes no difference to God whatsoever. He's, and it doesn't matter to his church. His church just wants to give the answer. We've got the answer. We're bursting to give the answer. We want you to repent. We want you to do just like we did, get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And we want you to receive, just like we did, the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While she sings and we worship, let's lift our hearts with our hands in a form of surrenderment. I will worship you, Lord. I will praise you. Blessed be thy name. Thy name is Jesus. 